Hello, wrestling family. Welcome to Sound of Whistle with IHSA wrestling official Tony Clark. Each week, I will bring you interviews with prominent figures in the sport of high school wrestling. Welcome, everyone, to another podcast, Sound of Whistle with Tony Clark. Today, I will be speaking with our former head coach of Sycamore High School and currently the athletic director, Chauncey Carrick. How are you today, Chauncey? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for taking time out to do this for us. Um, just in general, uh, what I usually open up with questions, since this is really geared towards the officials out there, um, how do you see the officiating at the varsity level in Illinois so far? Um, I, th- I think for the most part, uh, we have uh, pretty high quality officiating in Illinois. Um, there's always that call or two that nobody nobody likes to agree with, but um, I would say all in all, they get if you take the emotional part out of the sport of wrestling uh, and look at it objectively, I would say we've done a really good job in the state of Illinois of preparing officials to uh, to officiate at the highest level. Good. And a lot of people don't probably realize this about you. You also help uh, with track wrestling down on the state floor. So you pretty much have a front row seat. Um, How do you see the consistency of the officials on the state floor? Uh, At the state tournament, um, for the most part, I think everybody does a pretty good job of, um, you know, calling things similarly um, or using the same interpretations, obviously, uh, the human elements involved and different people still will see things. Um, but all in all, I think the, uh, the guys on the whistle a really good job of, of making the call based on, uh, the current rules and the information that they've been given, uh, leading up throughout the season. Great. As an athletic director, I know you have an assignment chairman out there, but as an athletic director, what do you expect of the officials um, that are hired by your school and your conference? Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we talked about was uh, consistency and following, you know, following the guidelines that have been set by the state. You know, when you see a points of emphasis or, or you hear different, you know, hear what the new rule changes are, you expect to see that, uh, officiated in that in that manner, and in the same breath, you expect um, coaches to be coaching to that rule as well. So that it, you know, if something changes, that you know they they know the rule as well, so that um, they're not butting heads about um, the new interpretations. Um, but I think all in all, the the biggest thing is. You know, somebody who's going to come to the come to your place, be professional, um, work with the coaches, um, and just be consistent in their calls throughout the meet. Now, you and I have had this conversation, especially back when you were a coach, and I don't know if your opinions change much, but um, how do you handle coach or not coaches, but officials who approach your coaches? or 
you know, may come to you and say, hey, how was my performance today? Can you make sure I get rated? I mean, how do you guys handle that? Well, I've, I've told all our coaches that it's regardless of any sport. Um, if that if that individual asks you to rate them, you need to rate them. And, uh, uh, well, actually, obviously, varsity, they're all supposed to be rated anyway. But uh, if, they're, if they ask you for an evaluation for, for a promotion, be, you know, you, you need to grant that, you know, wish, you know. Um, obviously, they're coming to you because they think that they either had, maybe they had a good evening that night and they, they want to take that, take advantage of having a good evening. Um, the, the one thing, and I can't remember who, I wish I could remember who it was, but there was a meet where uh, we'd, we got lost a close duel. Uh, and afterwards, the official came up and said, hey, can you rate me tonight? And we had lost. And to me, that I had a lot more respect for that individual because, you know, it's easy to ask somebody for a rating when the when they've won, or ask for that evaluation for promotion when they've won. But when you ask when, you know, it might have not gone the way the individual wanted, you know, that's a little that's a little tougher ask. And I think as a coach, I would go back and. Uh, be honest and evaluate those guys or, and, and, and give that recommendation to promote. So, um, but you also have to be honest with those individuals too. And if, if you don't think they're ready, you got to be willing to say that. And um, as you've known me long enough, Tony, I don't have a problem being brutally honest with people. No, no, you're not. Uh, you're not one to bite your tongue when when it's not need to be bitten. So, uh, and I think the officials that have worked for you appreciate that that honesty. Sometimes brutal, but you know, we we need that sometimes to jar us out of our complacency. So uh, we do really, you know, we may not always express it at the time, but it, it's it's uh, it is appreciated that you know people like you can say what you have to say with no fear of. Uh, reprisal from the officials so right and and the other thing people need to understand is and this goes i've i can rattle off you know three or four different officials that you know i've disagreed with during the duel and we we haven't agreed on a call or i feel that he made a mistake and we went at it during that duel and or or during an individual match and you know when it's done, it's done. You know, you can't, you know, they're out there to do a job and I'm out there to do a job that, which is when I was coaching to, to uh, do what I thought was best for our athletes, just like they're doing what they think is best for the sport. And uh, I think the biggest problem comes when coaches and officials that get into an argument, let's say for lack of a better way to call it, uh, can't let it go when it's done. You know, uh, you and I, you and I've had, we're probably in one of the most involved in one of the most controversial matches in the history of the state of Illinois. And I still consider you a friend. I was pretty pissed that night, but uh, we got, we got through that. I mean, you made the call you needed to make and I needed to fight for my kid. Like I thought I needed to fight for the kid. So, um, you know, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Uh, we didn't let that moment define us, you know, to who, to where we are today. Um, you know, in the sense of 
you know, it, it was it was a crazy time. It was a historical time for a match like that in the state tournament. Um, I could have I could have folded and you know never come back. You could have just been so mad and you know, like I've seen coaches on the floor do. I'm you know we're done. We don't want to bring our team back here anymore. You know we didn't we didn't let it go that far. No, I mean, yeah, there you know there, you get disappointments, but you gotta. It's just like we tell the kids, you gotta, you know, pick yourself up and move on to the next time and and learn and be better. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of things that have that have transpired over the years, um, let's look at a couple of the rule changes. So, while back, maybe two three years ago, we instituted the new. Uh, two-piece singlet rule. And I know you sit both on the IKWF board uh, for the freestyle Greco season, and you know, and you watch over your folk style season. So we kind of brought that rule into the state at the same time for both levels. Do you think moving to the two-piece uniform has increased participation? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think everybody... I have my opinions on this. I think a lot of this was brought on by manufacturers to sell more product. Um, if you look, yes, do kids wear the two-piece? You bet they do. And is is there maybe a few more kids involved in the sport of wrestling because they can wear shorts and a shirt? I'm sure there is. But I look at the vast majority of the, of the athletes and – the first year, there were definitely more than there has been recently uh, of wearing the two-piece. Um, I'm a traditionalist. Uh, it doesn't bother me if somebody wants to wear it, um, but um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the singlet and think we need to stick with that. What do you think about the rule where we now allow a wrestler to, to – to, uh have near fall scored against them or be pinned on the other side of the bottom I, line. I think that's the greatest thing that we've done for the sport. Um, I think there's been times where kids knew they could bail themselves out by getting out of bounds. They went to their back near the boundary and they could bail themselves out. There's nowhere to hide now. I mean, if you, it doesn't make any difference where you're at, you can get pinned. And uh, I would love to see us, uh, it'll, it won't happen just because of the differences in mat sizes. But, you know, I, I like how the college has gone to, if you have a toe in, everybody, you're still wrestling. Uh, obviously, we don't have near the, the mat apron that the colleges require, nor can we financially do that. But uh, I think it's definitely been a positive for the sport and um, made action more uh, or made action continue uh, which makes excitement makes more exciting for the fans. Okay, and this next question is going to kind of be a two-parter. How do you feel about the change in how we call stalling when a wrestler either backs out of bounds or is pushed out of bounds? I Again, I think that's a positive. I think there's been many groups that uh, are willing to wrestle the edge and – if the action gets close, it's just easy to step out of bounds. Um, I think it forces the kids to keep the action in the middle. 
Uh, again, uh, uh, for tur as a person who runs tournaments, I think it speeds up the tournament because you're not going out of bounds and stopping the clock and then they lollygag their way back to the middle. Um, I think it's been, it's the positives of that rule are immense. I mean, it's speeds things up. It keeps more action. Uh, but I also like the part that they've allowed where if you can't just shoot them out of bounds either. So if I take a shot and get, shoot the guy out of bounds, it, it, it we're not going to ding the kid for defending himself if he goes out of bounds. And I, I like that part. All right. So that brings up part two of this question, because I know you're, uh, you're into the freestyle Greco and people have been asking me about this. Can you explain the push out rule? And do you think it would work in high school? Well, I mean, the push out could work. Uh, and it, the rules are very, very similar. I mean, if you're if you go out under attack, you're not going to get dinged for the push out. It's uh, the biggest difference. It's very similar that you know if you get pushed out in high school, the first one's a warning. Where in freestyle Greco, it's a point. So could it work in in with us? You bet it could. Um, but I think you're talking about different sports. Um, you know, the I think the the push out is probably the biggest whammy is in in Greco where you know there is you don't have the leg attack, so you don't have that looking that action that you can defend yourself, where you just forces you to stay in bounds and in the middle. So, and to work your to work in the middle. So I think. Uh, could it could it be used in in folk style? I think for sure it could. Uh, I think people would not be happy that the first first thing that first time it happened they gave up a point. But I like how it it's been put on the stalling part of the stalling uh, sequence, so to speak. Okay. Um, new rule change this year. Just get your opinion on it. So we no longer care how long a wrestler's hair is in the front, on the sides, or in the back. Now they still can't wear a beard. We're not we're not at the college level yet. But uh, do you see that having a huge impact on the number of kids that are recruited? They no longer have to worry about how long their hair is. I think it's probably similar to the two piece uh, singlet. You're it, it might get a few more kids. Um, but I think the kids that like to wrestle are going to wrestle regardless. What it might do is it might get a kid that has been wrestling. It might be willing to let his hair grow a little longer than it has in the past. So I don't think it will. I, don't, I mean, it might add a few, but I think for the most part, wrestlers are wrestlers, but you might see more wrestlers letting their hair get longer. Now, there's a huge debate out there also. Do you feel that the wrestlers with the long hair um, are putting themselves at a disadvantage, or is it a disadvantage to have to wrestle somebody like that? Mm, boy, that's an interesting question. I don't, I don't know how hair long or short gives anybody a – a distinct advantage or disadvantage. 
I mean, psychologically, it might be, you know, you might not want to wrestle somebody that had long hair. Or you might think that you have a better shot if you have long hair, but in the grand scheme, if I shoot a if I shoot a double leg on you and your your hair is not going to stop me from finishing, it's your counter that's going to stop me from finishing. So I I don't I don't know. Okay, I mean it, it's it's just people are just asking, and it's just going to be one of those uh, wait to be seen. I think the disadvantage from an official standpoint will be the wrestler who's wrestling with their hair in their face, and they're looking for me to uh, stop the match while they redo their hairdo, and that's not going to be no. how we interpret that. Hey, rule. you um, you made it. You went out there with the say hair. you made a decision. You know, that's that's the decision you got to live with. I think where it might be difficult yeah. for you guys. And, and, and as we look at it, they practice that way and practice anyway, if that's the case, you know. You got through practice with long hair. You should be able to get through a six. I can see where it might. Um, Remain to be seen. Where it might um, make it harder on the officials uh, to make a, a maybe an illegal hold call if, you know, I don't know, the long hair is covering up a full Nelson. I, I mean, you know, could be something harder for you guys, but I would say, as far as wrestlers go, the disadvantage might come from from the person that has the long hair, but that's self inflicted. True, true. Um, another rule change is everybody's going to weigh in together, be you male or female, and you will weigh in in your competition singlet. So either your singlet or your two-piece uniform. Um, as an administrator um, and a coach, you know, a former coach, do you see that as a positive in, in the regards of getting your way in done? Uh, I like the fact that they got away in a competition single just because, I mean, they've been doing it since they were five years old. You know, any USA wrestling event, an AAU event, you're weighing in a competition singlet. That's the way it's been for whew, 15 years now. Um, so I think for that part, it's just going to make – I think people will just be used to doing that. Um, I have a couple questions on this rule, though, Tone. Uh, straps up or down when they weigh in? Uh, straps will remain up. And that decision was made because we're not going to ask them if they step up in a two-piece uniform to remove the shirt. So for consistency, straps will. Stay so up. how is how are skin checks done then? We're going to only look at exposed skin. Um, Smack looked at this up and down, and they uh, actually came to the meeting, and a lot of the discussion was. With a female, we're only looking at exposed skin, and that female has, in most cases, we have almost 900 girls wrestling in the state of Illinois. Um, we're only looking at their exposed skin, but you know we're doing a more thorough on the boys just because we had the opportunity to do so. So they have no data across the country that says that this is going to um, raise the skin infections. You know, it's just not enough data out there yet. So we're we're going to go with it as as straps up, shirts on, to make it equal across the board. 
for both athletes. Okay, the other question I have for you. Um, until the data shows up. The other otherwise. question I have for you. So if I weigh in in a in a shirt and shorts, do I have to wrestle in shirt and shorts? No. Uh, the committee looked at that. Right now at the varsity level, you have a kid that could start in one uniform in the quarterfinals, semifinals changing to another uniform, and for the finals changing to another uniform. So we don't want the officials having to be fashion police. Um, as long as you weigh in in something legal, what you wrestle in, uh, nobody's going to chase that. And, here's, and here's, my, here's my thing. I weigh in. I got a big ring ring on my chest. I weigh in in a T-shirt mm-hmm. and my shorts. But then I put my singlet on. I've made it through skin check. Now I got a singlet on. The rules always allow the official. Yeah, but the rules always allow the official to question anything when the you know when they hit that table. So if we see something and we're not sure they got cleared, we can we can raise that question. Um, you know, no matter what they were wearing before, because our number one concern as the official is right. we have to keep I, all of the athletes safe. So that won't stop us from seeing something. It could be just like a shirt riding up during competition. Right. It comes untucked and rides up. And I see something that looks like Infantigo. I know I didn't see it in the weigh-in, but I'll stop the match and, and we'll have that discussion. I guess my thought would be, since that, go back to the original question, what do I think? I think the biggest the biggest thing that needs to be done to me, you weigh in straps down, you weigh in holding your shirt, like we've been doing in the IKWF for years. Um, as far as the girls go, these girls walk around in their sports bras nonstop anyway. I mean, our dance team, our track team, our cheerleaders, they all do this. I'm sure the, the wrestlers are the same way. Okay, could they have something under a sports bra? Yes. But you're still going to catch more things and – I mean, if we're trying to talk about safety, I think that's that's where I would be. I think that's the part that I, we're missing on the boat. But as far as weighing everybody in together, I I don't have a problem with it. Um, it'd probably be better, actually. I still think you could weigh in with straps down and holding the shirt in the hand. And I think as the rule gets looked at down the road and everybody gets comfortable. Um, I'm not going to rule that out that that probably won't happen, especially if, if they start to see a rise in the uh, skin, skin infections uh, that can come out along. Now, in this quick, year, but uh, you know how the high school rules change. They, they change baby right. steps. And this was the, the SMAC committee was the NFHS SMAC committee. That's correct. They looked at it, uh, pretty heavily because this rule had been uh, proposed a number of times and they've always knocked it out. Uh, nope. Can't see skin. No, can't see skin. Um, and so this time around they're saying, all right, um, we know that there's an imbalance in how the girls are checked and how the boys are checked. And, 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 and they even kind of, you know, said if skin checks are being done, because you and I are really talking at the varsity level, but we've been in the sport long enough to know at the lower level, um, skin checks aren't always uh, done with the same accuracy as they are at the higher level. So 
we already know there's an increased risk out there, but we haven't had a epidemic of programs having to shut down. Um, so I think for the most part, coaches are doing an outstanding job. Uh, you and I had a conversation yesterday about mop and mats, and you had mentioned a, a UV light of some type. You know, I think you guys are doing a great job of trying to contain what's happening right. in the room. Well, and I and I'll tell our parents, and I'll and I'll tell this to everybody that listens to your podcast. The kids at Sycamore, we don't catch skin disease from each other. We catch it when we go wrestle somebody else. Because we, there's not a doubt in my mind. Because we, from what I know, we do here, and that's the biggest thing for me. I mean. We can't. We went away from thirty years ago. From if you had a ringworm, I'd just tape it up. So to me, what's the difference in letting them wear a shirt, or if it's on their arm visible, just taping it up? So, yeah, I, that that had to be something. Yeah, you're right. I remember those days where you just covered it up and you went on, and that had to have been something at the smack committee, you know, long before I got to the to the but, uh, federation rules committee. That must have been something they looked at, and now they just, you know, they've instituted language: don't cover it up. And and, and again, that's probably going to evolve as, as we keep right. going. Like USA USA wrestling events, there's sometimes where they take whatever they if they're not sure what it is, you know, they'll draw a circle around it. And then you have to report to the to the head person every day before competition starts, whether it's for them, it's usually a doctor. And then the doctor either rules you, you know, but they'll put the covering on for you. And it's like a and then they you got they'll take it off for you. It's like I don't know what the hell they put on, but it's it's crazy. It's almost like a piece of another piece of skin so to speak i'm sure it's a second skin type of thing but i just find it interesting that okay. smack is okay with a t-shirt but not okay with other stuff so it's kind of a double standard there yeah and yeah and and it be honest with you i don't know how many and that's not in defense of anything i just don't know how many people who sit on the rules committee um do freestyle and Greco and, and get to see those type of things. And that's why to me, uh, Tony Black's there from USA, but I don't know, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't influence the Federation rules committee um, in that way. But that's why to me, it's always good to have other opinions because I, I would have never known since I don't do the freestyle Greco, I would have never known how they handle the skin conditions, which is not a bad approach in my mind, you know, can we do it at the high school level? I, now, there's I, also I, times where you send a kid through skin check and they're just like, he's done. Well, we got a note. Who cares? Your note sucks. You're out. You know? And Yeah, yeah. I, I, there are programs I've out told, there. I've told this, this story a hundred times, and I'm not going to put any names out there, but we had a kid that had a real bad case um, it was either impetigo or it might've been a skin herpy and it was really bad. And, um, the dad really thought it was looking better and it's looking better. And I knew there was no way this was going to happen. And, uh, so I said, okay, we'll send him through the line. So we send him through the line and I get called, uh, to the way in area in Fargo and I'm asked and the doctor looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I was like, Hey, 
this guy is this parent's mad at you right now, not me. You know, I got to deal with these parents for a few more years. You don't have to deal with them ever again. So there's sometimes where you got to have the, let the governing body be the bad guy too on the skin disease. Oh no, and I I've had that issue. Uh, I remember doing a IESA sectionals one year. And the kid came through. I mean, we're talking a seventh, eighth grader. He came through, and there was no way uh, he could get past the three of us. Um, so the coach was like, oh, man, what am I going to tell his dad? You know, they've already got their hotel rooms because this kid's good. He's going to make it downstate next week. I said, you tell him he's not wrestling. So, your reservation. Um, that didn't go over well with the coach and the parent. Yeah, it did not go over well. I ended up, you know, the parent had to talk to me and, you know, they wanted to see my medical credentials and all this other stuff. And I just told them the rule doesn't require that I be a doctor. It requires that someone or myself has a suspicion and it's up to the coach or the family to present medical documentation. And, you know, and it just it just didn't go well. So long story short, we don't let this person wrestle. Um, they were an event the next week. And one of the refs that was that was there with me when we made this ruling, you know, talked to the team and they were like, yeah, it's a good thing you get, didn't let that guy wrestle. He had an advanced case of infantigo. And they were just shocked that their whole room hadn't come down with it. So, you know, in hindsight, we made the right call, but we had a pretty irate dad mad at us, you know, for the rest of that day because he thought um, – you know, we were holding this kid back. And, you know, sometimes we get, you know, people can get a little rude and nasty. You know, you're costing the kid a scholarship in eighth grade. I don't think so. I mean, I think most of us are smarter than that. And, and if anybody's looking at this kid in eighth grade, uh, they'll understand if they're a true wrestling person, hey, Infantigo is not going to change his skill set. We just can't go out there and infect the rest of the yep. population with stuff like this. So. Yipper. Well, I want to take you know, thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, and what I do with all my podcast interviewers, uh, I'll open up the floor and just anything you want to, uh, as a closing remark, say to the officials and some coaches who do listen to this, uh, we are starting to get more coaches involved. So, um, well, I guess one question I would ask Tony is, uh, what, what are, what are the thoughts on the assistant referees that we see at different tournaments? What are your thoughts on on the assistant referee and what their duty should be? Because I think, well, I'll get your answer and then I'll tell you what what my thought might be. All right, so that is an interesting question. Um, we train our assistant referees to have the same mobility, the same opinion about scoring of the match as we do the official. We call it the 51-49% rule. The guy with the whistle has 51% of the authority, but the assistant has 49% of the authority. So when you see a good team out there, um, they're working as one. What happens on the assistant side of the match. So say a locked hands, if the assistant sees a locked hands, he immediately lets the guy on the whistle know the person on the whistle should have enough trust in that, in, in the assistant to go ahead and go with the call. 
So we we do grind this, grind this, grind this in, into our officials' head, especially at the state level, um, that we need them to do so. Now, does our film, because you, you, you know well that we film uh, a lot of matches on the individual floor, does the film bear out what I just said? I, I'll be honest. No, it does not. We see a lot of times a call is made and no comment from the assistant. And I mean, when we're talking, boy, that was a quick takedown. There was no reaction time on that takedown. And we don't have the assistant coming in saying, whoa, wait a minute. Let's talk about that. Um, boundary line calls. There are some times where a call is made and we see the person on the whistle probably has a little bit of doubt but the assistant's not stepping in and, and helping sell that call. Um, so we do see a lot of inconsistency where the assistant official is not there to help with the call. Um, they're pretty much just there giving a countdown of time and uh, things of that nature. But they're designed to help us get it right, especially, you know, um, a lot of times we use them in the finals of something and they're there to help get it right. There are some states that don't allow the assistant official because they feel that that person nine times out of 10 is never going to have an opinion that's going to uh, help get the match right. So that's how I see. Well, it. I would say where are you at on it? If that was the, if that was the way, the way you first described it was being done and then, then I really wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, but what I would, what annoys me is, um, when a referee makes a call and, um, the assistant basically, I don't know if the word browbeats them, um, that's what I'm going to go with. Browbeats them into changing their call or stating their opinion. You know, I'm all for stating your opinion, but like you said, that that guy is got 51%. The whistle's got 51% of the vote. And I think there's some people that, even though they're the assistant, they think that that means that if they think they're better than the guy that's on the whistle, that that whistle should just bow down to what they what they should what they what they think it should be. And I think that's wrong. And, uh, you know, I think that sometimes uh, we pair people up because, well, this guy's a strong official. And this guy's, you know, not as strong or well, I'll say weak. Then the guy who's strong is putting other undue influence on it. Um you know, sometimes, sometimes you got to let, you know, I've seen calls that I thought were, the guy made right were bang, bang. And then the assistant steps in who didn't have the same angle and talks him out of it where, you know, that to me, that's as a coach and as a fan, that's what's frustrating is when those assistants overstep their bounds, I guess is what I'm saying. But I mean, I'm all for having assistance, and uh, you're right. But it also yeah. in the, in the high school state tournaments, not 
is not the example because every match does have two officials. What annoys the other thing that annoys me is tournaments that have one official until the semis, and the semis are more important. Well, if I get screwed over in the second round at the Dvorak, I don't get a chance to have that assistant referee there in the semis. You know, I, I've always found it interesting that how uh, some places think more matches are different, more of more importance than others. Where that first round match could be just as important as that semifinal match, you know. So, and that's what our state finals has learned um, to just start the tournament. And I know uh, financially that's not always the uh, feasible for a tournament. So I've heard, you know, from a lot of coaches like yourself, uh, pretty high profile. Um, about the assistant officiating. And to go back to your point, sometimes the assistant can overturn a call and not have the right angle or or um, just be more voiceful to get their point across. Um, there's There's been times where I've had officials just look me in the eye and says, you know, I'm not really comfortable with you assisting me. And, and I always have to say why. I mean, what, 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 what has transpired in our lives? that this isn't going to work for us. And a lot of times it is just because I've been around so long. Um, some people's fear is, and I, I may not be going over to talk about a call. I might've been going over to talk about something else that happened, but the perception would be if I step to an official, people are going to think automatically, I'm going to talk about the call. I may just be over there talking about, Hey, uh, when this rotation is over, you know, they want to know, do you want ham or roast beef for lunch? Right. You know, people aren't always privy to our conversations, but I've had people who just say, you know, this doesn't work because if I make a call, you don't agree with the call. You, Tony Clark, are going to step over and have a conversation with me. I don't change the call automatically. Everybody in the room is going to say, well, what makes you think you know more than Tony Clark? I'm going to look like the bad guy. And, uh, so that does freeze me. Like you said, that does freeze me sometimes when I see something. And if I think it's egregious enough that I have to step in, I step in. If I think it's a judgment call, um, I have a subtle way of saying, hey, were you sure about that without uh, putting the person on the spot? But that that comes from just, you know, being in that situation a lot and, and understanding Here, here's people's Here's feelings, an example. Um, working here's with an example. People. So Let's say there's I, a call on the edge. Saying. I call or whoever. Let's say I'm the ref. I call two. I know in my mind it is two. There's not a doubt in my mind. I get the wrestlers back to the center. I don't, at that point, if the, the assistant official comes to me and says, hey, I think you, you know, blah, blah, in my mind, I know that's two. So if I'm walking back to the mm -hmm. center, why is he? Now, if I look at it and I make the call and I think it's two, so I got to give the two. But I'm still not that 100%. And then I kind of sneak a peek at my assistant. That's when I think somebody should do the step in. Because, you know, and again, I get I get that it's a 49-51 deal. But I think sometimes there's some officials that think it's 70-40 regardless. And, yes, I said 70-40. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no, no. And you know what? I I I can only chuckle because some of the film we've seen, you know, we we sit here, uh those that help with the uh clipping, uh Bill Honeycutt and Mike Kirk is we we sometimes share the clips and we scratch our heads and say, Boy, who was watching this match? You know. Uh so that does happen and we are we're we are those in the leadership positions, we're very aware of it. Um and we are trying to address it uh, in our training. We're trying to make the officials, you know, understand the importance of that assistant and what that assistant's job is. Uh, matter of fact, we're going to do a uh, another podcast here coming up to break down the assistant's roles and what the expectations are um, when it comes to to helping officiate that match and. Uh, so you bring up a very, very valid point that 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 is proven in some of the matches we've seen uh, on our state floor, and I, you know, and I get to see some of these things happen uh, during the regular season because I do a lot of uh, lower level refing, and sometimes I'll stick around and help the varsity if if the timing's right, or sometimes I'll just sit there and watch uh, the varsity ref do the match. Um, and sometimes, you know, especially in the tournament situation, I get to see teams work together and. and you know, everything you said, you know, is not being cruel or mean. It, it's reality. And I know that frustrates the coaches and it frustrates the fans and really the wrestlers uh, when we have that type of inconsistency. So we yeah. are aware of it and we are trying to address it. No, but I, I had a question to see where your opinion was on that. Cause right. I know there's, I'm not alone in thinking that sometimes some step overstep their boundaries and some, some are, and some people have, you know, if somebody's officiating you or Ray or, you know, somebody that's been around for a while and they're the assistant and they see the kids, you know, see something, I want them to be willing to say something to you guys too, you know, where sometimes, you know, those first or second year guys at the state tournament get paired with somebody who's really good and they're just along for the ride then. You know, they're not going to step in and say anything to you guys. Right. Yeah, and we caution against that, too. Yeah, we, we ask them to please step up to the plate because they are there as a second set of eyes, and we want them to have an opinion to uh, help get the call right. Uh, two years ago, I think it was two years ago, Bill Honeycutt and I had a had a match. I don't remember if it was quarterfinals, semifinals. Uh and it was a good it was a good match. The wrestlers were going back and forth. And I scored um a five point move from and I forget what position we're in. But anyway, the wrestler scored the offensive wrestler scored the points from the offensive position down on the mat and they locked their hands and I inadvertently missed the locked hands. I went right to the scoring situation. And, you know, I, I period ends or whatever happened, the coach whose kid got the points against them brings me to the table. Hey, what wasn't there locked hands? And, and that light bulb went off, went back to my assistant, who was a veteran uh, official. I said, hey, did we miss something? He says, yeah, I think we missed that locked hands. And neither one of us were shy about it or, or hesitant. Once we agreed, we blew that call. I went right back over to the coach, said, great job, uh, good catch. I will fix it. Looked at the opposing coach, says, hey, bad news. 
Um, I got to pull back some near fall points, but you know, and give them a penalty point. It's going to be a four point swing. Sorry, but it was the right thing to do after talking just to make sure, you know, we had it right. You know, we were good. And after the match, you know, the coach said something, Hey, thanks for doing that. And I said, well, I'm glad that you didn't feel that you couldn't talk to us and say, Hey, I think you guys uh, missed something there. And he was very polite when he did it. And, uh, you know, that was just a good feeling to know that me and my assistant, even though we botched it in, in between us, I think back then we probably had 70 years of experience on the mat and we missed something that simple, but we we didn't have the egos not to undo it. He didn't try to talk me out of it or anything like that. We just were in la la land when it came to that match. And we actually used that in our training video to show anybody can make a mistake and anybody can, can admit to it and, and do what's right for the athletes. Um, make the right call. Cause there's too much at stake sometimes. Not. Yep. To. All right, well, again, thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, hope you hope you and the family can uh, stay safe in this trying time. And I look forward to You've having had, a, anytime, additional Tony. conversations with you down the Have road. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure and follow me on Instagram, ILWrestlingRef. Or you can follow me on Twitter at AssignerGuy, A-S-S-I-G-N-R-G-U-Y, to be notified of new podcast episodes. Thank you, and have a great day.